everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. Hi, everyone. John Leahy with you. Thanks so much for being with us here on the podcast. I'd like to thank my guest last week on the podcast, uh, Tyler Murray, one of the members of the Worcester Red Sox broadcast team on Nesson and also on Worcester Radio. It was wonderful having Tyler here with us. I'd like to just remind you that uh, we have a uh, podcasting website for you to check out if you'd like to listen to any of the previous episodes that we've done. Uh, please feel free to check out LeahyStorytelling.com. And uh, there's ways for you to interact with me, whether by leaving me a voicemail or uh, also there's a section in the website where you can leave a review, uh, either a written review or you can assign a certain number of stars uh, to a particular episode. There's also some videos for you to check out. And uh, so I encourage you to check that out. That's at LeahyStorytelling.com. Com. Well, uh, this week we move from one uh, outstanding baseball broadcaster to another. We had Tyler Murray with the Worcester Red Sox with us last week, as I mentioned. And uh, this week, very happy to bring in uh, Mike Antonellis, who is part of that uh, broadcast team in Worcester. And, uh, Mike, it's great having you here. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. Absolutely. And for broadcaster to broadcaster, anytime. Yeah, absolutely. We had uh, a wonderful time with Tyler last week, and uh, I'm sure we'll have uh, lots of talk about the Worcester Red Sox uh, once again here, Mike. But uh, I'd like to just go back uh, to your background a little bit, uh, where it all started. I know you grew up in Ashland, and uh, I guess originally you wanted to play for the Red Sox, right? But uh, you figured that that probably wasn't the path for you. You developed a passion for broadcasting, and it really started uh, from your grandfather on down, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, I really did. Um, but you're right. I think we all think in Massachusetts. That's a dream. I kind of knew early on that it wasn't realistic, uh, just from going to Fenway and just seeing those guys. And then I, I played high school baseball. And, uh, I mean, it's impossible for guys to get drafted out of Mass. But, I mean, it's, as we know, it's a hard, hard sport. Um, but, yeah, I think the first early signs of – falling in love with broadcasting was at my grandparents' house on my mom's side. Was they a cable before we did? And my grandmother was, you know, go visit and she was okay with me going in the other room and uh, just taking over their cable. And they had uh, Mets, I can remember this, Mets, Yankees, Cubs, Braves. So it was Ralph Kiner, Phil Rizzuto, uh, all those guys, all those characters. And I just, uh, I was so enamored by them. And, uh, you know, Harry Carey, all, all those guys. So that, that kind of really, you know, I think that probably lit the fire. There's all the training that you get um, in this business is usually from some other source as a child. I think that's kind of how it starts for all of us. But, um, you know, it was the seed was planted early. I remember falling in love with it right away and, and also loving the game, too, at a very early age. Yeah, I, I know you went to Framingham State, too, uh, Mike. Uh, you interned at a small radio station in Milford. Uh, you're doing American yeah. Legion games. And I guess it was at that point that you focused on building a demo tape, and uh, that wound up getting you your first job in Potomac. Yeah, I, and I picked that station on purpose because, as you know, back in I mean, this is, um, 1994, 95, it was hard to do baseball because uh, the games were in the afternoon and we didn't even have that kind of equipment in those days where you could do high school. I mean, I you probably remember this. I remember high school games. They would somehow rig a, a payphone to get a signal or 
just dial in with a phone line where high school fields didn't have that. Um, I jump at a little head, but it's just to clarify how this all worked. The, the WMRC in Milford, they, their engineer built a portable like studio uh, in a suitcase that a businessman would take. It was wow. a cell phone and a mixer, and he built this um, back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And they traveled with that and made, called the station on a cell phone. It was tied to the mixer. Um, but I knew they were doing games, and I wanted to do baseball um, right when I went to Dean uh, before Framingham State, uh, and I couldn't—I I couldn't do it anywhere until I—I I saw it and called that station. And Bill Robert was the guy that hired me there, made me an intern. Uh, they created a position for me. They let me do games. I, I was the number two guy, believe it or not. Back then, they had uh, Dick Engine was doing the games full time. It was that big a deal. And um, you're right. I I made tapes, got a job, and uh, the guy that hired me, Bob McGilligan, is still one of my best friends today. He's the voice of the Blue Jackets. And yeah, so I mean, it's kind of crazy when I look back at how I, I kind of created all of that and, and just went after it, and and it worked. Which you know, who would have known? Yeah, now you mentioned Dean College. Now, uh, of course, there is a, a prolific sports programming, uh, sports broadcasting uh, program there. We had John Rook on a while back, and of course, he's heavily involved there. But was there anything at Dean back then that helped you along with uh, your choice of broadcasting? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's the you know for me, uh, I put that in like the pillars of you know things that really helped me. I mean, that's probably you know of course family, but I mean that you know the starter the catalyst was that um again it's kind of a weird story how i even ended up there uh when i was in high school i had a lot of older friends believe it you know it's crazy when i was a junior i hung out with a lot all the seniors and it just so happened that i you know i had no idea what what i wanted to do my senior year and one of those friends was going to dean he said why don't you just come up and see it you know and i was kind of hesitant to go to a junior college uh, back then, you know, I, you're young and you have an ego, you want to go to a four-year school. And I remember just walking into Dean Hall and seeing that radio station and saying, well, I can do that. You know, that's nothing yeah. I could do. Yeah. I just felt, and it was really, you know, I don't want to say easy for me because it's not easy, but I, I was able to have a lot of success right away. Uh, you know, having us write sports casts, I could do that without even, just I could do it without writing it, you know, because I had been around it from watching. And I mean, I read the Globe, I listened to BZ. Like I, I listened to all that stuff, never thinking I could do it as a career. So when I saw that, it it instantly just sparked, um, you know. And I knew, and I've always been pretty defiant when I know something I want, you know. And I it felt right, and it was. Um, I was so lucky. The instructors were incredible. They all are professional on-air disc jockeys, uh, news and sports people. And, yeah, they gave me the tools. The station there was incredible, fully formatted FM. Became the sports director my second year. I was doing games. I had a talk show. uh, And that's kind of how, yeah, I mean, without that, um, that made my career. That was, you know, pretty much the the hands-on. And then Framingham State was more of the, the book stuff, which I definitely look back at. And needed, you know, I was kind of someone who didn't want to go anywhere after two years, but I mean, it was the best thing I did was to come to Framingham State. And, but yeah, Dean, uh, that was a big, 
igniter for me in my career. Yeah, and then you got that first job off the demo tape uh, with the Potomac yeah. Cannons. You were there from 1997 to 2000. Uh, tell us about that first job and how fun it was working in Northern Virginia. It was fantastic. You know, um, I was lucky to have a really good mentor. You know, uh, Bob was terrific. Um, and I, you're right. I mean, I, I made tapes. You know, this is kind of crazy, too. I remember going through resumes when I was working at MRC. Um, there was a stack of resumes in, in the radio station, and people were putting their email address. You know, this is very early on. I didn't have that on my resume. And that uh, I changed it, and Bob had emailed me, uh, which you know, he probably would have called me. But it's just, it's interesting that you know there's a little tip that I picked up there, and um, yeah, I mean I moved, I, I picked up and moved uh, away at 23 years old. I'd never done that. I, but I didn't, you know, I don't remember being uh, fearful of that. Um, I was excited, and uh, it was 600 bucks a month. I didn't. I found a place to live. Uh, I had saved some money, but it was great. You know, I, I learned a lot. I was lucky to only intern for one year and then I was a full-time guy the next, but, um, that was a great league. It was a, a great format. You played everybody 10 times each half. Um, my third year there, Myrtle beach is either 98 or 99. Regardless, Myrtle Beach's first year ever. I was the first visiting broadcaster in that ballpark. Wow. There's a, picture you could probably see me um so getting to go there and being close to dc and uh you know meeting a tons of, you know i had grown up just in mass um so i extended friendships with a lot of people and i you know i kind of planted seeds and, and all over you know it's crazy and you know, i met bob sosi he was the voice of the frederick keys yeah um, right yeah and we're you know josh wetzel who's now in uh, Rochester, uh, I met so many people. Um, there was, it's it pretty cool. You know, Albert Pujols was on our team for a half a year, or maybe not even. And uh, we were all, I remember joking that he'll probably go to double A next year. And he ended up going to the big leagues. Um, he spent, I think, 20 games with us. And wow. I had, remember saying, wow, this is, you know, this guy's a beast. And, you know, so it was great. Uh, you know, that first job, it's a lot of memories. It was a Cardinals affiliate. They were terrific to work with. Um, and, you know, you know this, the way the game works. I've bumped into some people uh, years down the road. Well, you know, I, I saw Ray Searage, who was my first pitching coach in Altoona. And uh, it, it was just unbelievable, you know, like the family reunion. So that that was, uh, you know, I always hold that in, in, in my heart in a special place because it, it was the first time. And you know, you know what it's like. You, you get your first pro gig. It's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, and you know, you had a very unique uh, circumstance uh, when you left Potomac. You wound up going to AAA uh, right away with the. We split time with the Utica Blue Sox and then the Syracuse Sky Chiefs. So uh, you were one step away from the bigs uh, very early in your career. Yeah, you know that that was a, a very fortunate situation. That was for Bob uh, Bob McGilligan. He left. Um, Potomac after one year and then I got and we obviously like I said we were friends and he, uh, there was a position at Clear Channel in Syracuse and uh, or no excuse me Clear Channel in Utica um, but I actually worked for both but first for Utica where um, they wanted someone to come in and do some sales on the radio and they, uh, he said to be able to do some games with me in uh, Syracuse so 
I did that, and then the, the station in, in Utica um, said, you know what, we want to do games, the, the Utica games. So they took me off the AAA and put me in short season, which, you know, I mean, at first I, I didn't love that, but it worked out, actually. Um, and I actually met, I was with Kevin Bowles that year in 01, which, you know, when I look back at it, uh, that was just incredible because, you know, Kevin, I was at his wedding. You know, we became, because we later worked together in Portland, so which we'll get to, I'm sure. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, I was four years done, uh, fifth year doing AAA and then doing short season. Um, but, you know, it was crazy about short season. I There were some really good teams in that league. We opened up in, in um, Staten Island uh, and we played Lowell. We, I mean, the, the places that we went in that league were unbelievable. So it actually wasn't that bad. And um, it was a good situation. And it just didn't work out there. And, uh, but, but that was, you're right. You know, that was kind of a unique, uh, special part. Yeah. And you know, you've done what, uh, all broadcasters do in the minors. You got to move around, you know, you got to work in different markets. And, uh, then you went to Geneva, Illinois, where you were the voice of the Kane County Cougars for a couple of years. And maybe you could just talk about that experience. Yeah. You know, that was, uh, that was a test uh, that was, you know, I, I learned this from a great pitching coach named Bob Kipper, who, um, I, I tell people this story all the time because it's so vivid. I I remember sitting in the bullpen with him in Erie, Pennsylvania. It was 2,000 degrees, and we had a pitcher that was really struggling, uh-huh. but was such a good guy, and he was a prospect. And people were really getting on this guy and saying he wasn't working hard. And none of that was true. And I remember Bob saying, you know, it's so easy to be – when things are good, uh, th- it's easier. But you learn a lot about people and situations – when things aren't good, you know, and I, I always said, you're right, you know, like that's adversity. And that's what I kind of taught me a lesson about adversity. And I really was not in a good spot. <laughs> and, and huh. I, uh, that was a tough move for me because I found out, uh, I was working for clear channel Syracuse. I was planning on doing the sky chiefs in Oh two. Yeah. They dropped the rights to the team. Uh, they didn't let me get out of my non-compete to do games at the other station. Okay. Um, yep. So I didn't want to stay there. Uh, I wanted to stay in baseball. And I got that job in Kane County very late. I remember driving from, I left an apartment uh, filled. My my poor mom and dad had to go get stuff out of my apartment. Um, Moved, drove there on Easter Sunday with the season opening that Thursday. Um, And I just was really contemplating like what in the world am I doing? This is not a good move. You know, I was, I was in a tough spot. Um, and to be honest, you know, that the job was tough. You know, I, I, I don't think the GM and I really hit it off, which was, you know, that happens. Um, it happens in all kinds of walks of life. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, his, his guy was one of his favorites. He left and I kind of came in late. Um, and a lot of the fans did not like me for a while. And I, you know, that's the first time I went through a lot of that, which was in the, in the long run. Um, I look back, you, you need that, you know, you need to, to have, you, you need to be rocked because it does test you or, you know, do you really want to do this? And I, and I felt like I passed it. I stayed there two years. Um, I ended up having terrific relationships with everybody, yeah, uh, including the GM, including a lot of people. And, What's weird about that, and I'm sure you'll you'll segue into that, that kind of led me to Portland 
uh, a couple years after. Um, I know that Erie was ne is next, but if you want to circle back to the, you know, the Kane County thing, um, you know, that kind of ignited a relationship. I met a girl in, in the in the office who I became friends with. She knew Todd Jameson, and she used to beg Todd, "You gotta, you know, get Mike out of here and get him to Maine, you know, near home." And that's kind of how I I, I forged a relationship with Todd, which works to you. It's crazy, you know. It sounds like this is not real, but but uh, yeah, you know, it's my story. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I definitely want to talk a lot about Portland, but uh, yeah. we, we should also mention Erie as well because uh, yeah, it's a beautiful town. I've done some hockey out there, out at Mercyhurst University, and uh, you know, Erie, Pennsylvania, as I said, nice town. You were with the Sea Wolves for a couple of years, and uh, and how fun was that? It was it was fantastic. You know, I, I actually really liked being there. Um, I had interviewed with that with John Fry years before. I think. Um, before I, I got to Kane County and the job paid so little uh, that John's like, I can't hire you. I want to hire you, but I, I won't do that to you. Yeah. Um, which was terrific of him to do that. And then Mandalay, in, uh, which was a movie company, bought the team. And when that job came open, he just, he just offered it to me. It wasn't even a, you know, I'm sure there were things you're supposed to post jobs and all that, um, which they might've, but he just said, Hey, here it is. You know, we already met, I already interviewed you, and, and it was a slam dunk. Um, and it was fantastic. I became uh, really good friends with a lot of people in that office, and I was only there one season, but there two years. Um, and I loved it. I lived right next door. To, I lived at a lawyer building that's not there now. Um, literally, like, I think it was 30 steps. I lived yep. in the third floor. Um, yep. I loved that ballpark. Um, we had some great, Curtis Granderson was on that team wow. whom I, he was, yeah. Pete Incavillia was our hitting coach who I, I really liked. And, um, that was a great year. And then, you know, I, I was kind of bummed when I had to leave, even though I was going home, um, because I, you know, I had really good relationships there. And, uh, you know, when I went back there that next year as a visitor, it was really awkward um, sitting in the other booth. But um, that was a great year of, of experience. Yeah, and of course, uh, you moved on to Portland, Maine, which, uh, you know, a lot of people know you because of your work there. You've called, yeah. uh, you called uh, over 2,100 games there uh, in Portland. You were there from 2005 to 2020. And uh, I, let me start with the championship season of 2006. It was your second year broadcasting for the Sea Dogs. And you win a championship. Championship. Uh, talk about that year. I'm sure it was quite magical for you, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, my first year in 05, uh, we had the All-Star game, and we also went to the championship against Akron and lost. And I had never – you know, you learn a lot about situations as a broadcaster. You know, I never knew, like, if you – you know, when you lose a championship, like, hey, it's – great you got there you know and all that but i'll remember even you know i i don't think the game was close in the clinching game just a really sick deep pit in my stomach uh, and almost uh tearing up on the air and maybe it's a you know a culmination of a lot of things where it's a long season you know it's a grind and we had traveled so much at the end there but it was heartbreaking um because it's over you know that you, you lose, so we lost a third place. You're watching them celebrate, and then it's 
everyone's on a flight the next day and it's over. Um, yeah. But it was it, it, it wasn't fun. And I, I remember you know, we had a party in the hotel with, with our staff. Um, our owners flew. I mean, our owners, they were unbelievable. They flew the whole staff there. Mm. And we, uh, you know, I remember just, it was, it was kind of a somber time, but we got there next year and, uh, we won the first two in Akron and lost the next two at home. Uh, it was two, three, um, and won that and played Akron again. Um, it was, it was amazing. You know, it's something, uh, people that I've were there with front office who I shared that with. I mean, it was, it was really, uh. It was it was awesome, you know. The parties are are great, you know. Whatever you hear, it's um, you know, we had a party for the first round, but then winning that championship, and we partied in the ballpark and we went uh, to the old port. And what was really cool about it is a lot of the other the Akron players hung out with us too, you know, because they were flying out the next day and they yeah. were cool. And, um, yeah, we got a ring. I mean, a really nice ring. Uh, and it, it and again, I learned a lesson from that, like winning a championship in the minor leagues is special. I mean, it was, it's so hard, you know, there's only two teams that get in from each division, but uh, that was a great year. You know, we had Deverne Hansack who pitched that last game that called to the big leagues, you know, Theo was there. It was, it was fun. You know, it was a, a, a really good magical team that was, uh, had some first year guys and then they, the Red Sox really brought in a lot of older guys to kind of help win there, which, which was really nice of them. And, uh, I was lucky, John, the first four years in Portland, we were in the playoffs. So <laughs> that's you know, great. See a lot of baseball. Yeah. So I, we had Emma Tiedemann on a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, I, I'm going to get your, your your thoughts about her shortly here. But uh, uh, we talked about just the experience of calling baseball in Maine, you know, the experience of calling a ball at uh, Hadlock Field. Uh, you spent a lot of time there, Mike. So uh, tell us about how cool it was to, to be up there in Maine and, and what a great experience it is to be calling baseball in the summer in Portland. Yeah, it's um, it's special. It's family. It's Hadlock's home. I mean, I have some unbelievable relationships that will be forever. I have friends forever, fans, uh, front, especially the front office. I mean, I miss those guys uh, to pieces. Um, ownership, uh, so much. I mean, it's it's you know, and I I remember going there as a visitor in 2004. And my parents, I met them on the beach, and they were like, why can't you get a job here? And I'm like, well, I mean, they don't have an opening. And it, it worked out that they did. And, um, you know, it was the first time I was home, even though Maine is it's not close to Mass. It's a lot closer than what, where I was before in other places. So, you know, it was with, within two hours. But, uh, you know, the first thing that always pops to my mind, um, there is no better place in pro ball than a Sunday afternoon at Hadlock. We sold out pretty much every Sunday. And once in the summer, we took the windows out of the booth and, and everyone did in the press box, just the way the color is illuminated. And there's something special about Bay baseball there. But those Sundays, and all of us um, really marveled at it. It was a very magical day. I remember the other broadcasters would always tweet about, you know, they because for some reason, I didn't know this a lot but sundays didn't draw very well for a lot of minor league cities but yeah. we did yeah. you know that 7368 was our magic number and we sold that out um a lot and it was you know at the end of a homestand before a road trip and uh it's it's great i mean it has that place is not new which we know um doesn't have the most modern amenities but it has the most personality you'll ever find it's it's a very special place 
that is really hard to quantify. You know, we like to quantify things now, but when you go there and experience it, there's really nothing better. And it's a credit to the people behind the scenes that they built that kind of environment there, warm home. And uh, it means a lot to me. It, it really does. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to get to your, your AAA stuff in a minute. But uh, when you announced that you were leaving Portland, uh, obviously big shoes to fill when you left. And uh, they brought in Emma. And uh, Mike, she's done a tremendous job up there with the Sea Dogs. She has. I was very lucky to meet her uh they, you know, they flew her in because they really liked her, and I, I got to be with her one-on-one. You know, Jeff Iquester, my uh, president and general manager, um, you know, t- terrific in so many ways. But he said, you know, I think it would be a good idea if just you and her met, you know, without me, you, and, and the three of us. And I, it's, I didn't even think of that. And he did because he's, he's great at everything he does. And I think that was calming and you know, I was really honest with her because it was a hard move for her. I mean, she's not from the East Coast, but I just, I really told her the truth about how much I loved it there and um, how much she would. You know, I knew she would. Um, and, you know, I, I, I know it, it's hard to choose the fill and all that, but I, I wanted the next person to be good, come in and, and um, you know, I'm not somebody that wants the next person not to be good, you know, so it's like a pat on the back to me. I'm not like that. Um, wanted to be good if not better and uh she's done great things and those fans are so great to her and i knew they would be and um i couldn't be happier for her she's uh she's great you know i like her personally and um she's got a lot of passion on the air which you can't replicate you can't teach and um you know i'm really glad that it, it continued because i mean i was there for a long time hopefully she's not there for a long time she can get out of there and, and get a bigger uh, job but if she's there for as long as me, then that would be amazing to have two people that were there that long to, to, to uh, you know, have a legacy. And it, it really shows what type of place it is. You know, there's a lot of employees there that have been there since day one. And um, it's a tough place to leave. It was a it was a tough decision even going, you know, to where I am now. Um, just because I there's a lot of things there that that were good. And um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I had I made the move that I thought was the best for me and um but again you know it still breaks your heart a little bit when you have to leave something like that yeah so let's talk about uh, your your ascent into triple a it initially was with the Pawtucket red sox right from uh, march to october uh but uh, the pandemic got in the way so uh talk about the the move to Pawtucket and and how the coronavirus played into things yeah i remember uh i think bill wanless contacted me right around valentine's day you know i remember that uh you know, and Bill and I go back just because I'd always Bill's the media relations director there, hires the broadcasters. I and I did the media stuff in Portland, so I'd always send Bill roster moves and game note stuff. And if we had a player move up, I'd send him a bio. And I filled in three or four times for Pawtucket over the years. Had a good good relationship with them, and you know, it just worked where they, you know, he felt in the organization that this would be the right time to bring me in. Uh, I knew the team was going to Worcester, so that uh, that was the clinching uh, factor. But um, yeah, you know, it was uh, it was kind of weird. I went to Los Angeles in in January, and um, you know, I know that a lot of the coronavirus had started there, and I I was kind of worried about getting it from from the airports. And then uh, I got hired um, 
you know, when I left, it was March. So the coronavirus was happening because we, we were canceling events in Portland. And the day that my stuff was being moved into my apartment in Grafton, Mass., it was actually when everything got shut down. You know, John, I was scheduled to do a bunch of big league spring training games wow, that, yeah. that year. And yeah. um, I had uh, almost booked it. I had told uh, the general manager, uh, whoever was running programming at, at EEI, I said, hey, listen, I, I was just on Twitter. They just canceled spring training. So, uh, and he's like, yeah, you sure? I'm like, yeah, just go on there. And I was going to do about three or four games. Um, and whatever. I mean, at that point, you know, I mean, what what happened in the country was much more important than that. Um, but my head was spinning a little bit just because when I, you know, I, uh, I mean, it was literally a day my stuff was being put in. Uh, we shut down, and I remember going to the grocery store. It was, it was chaos. Um, and I kind of knew then that we probably weren't going to have a season, and uh, you know, it's just more time went by. We kind of find out things. Um, some of the players, I think, had leaked it too on social media from their agents and all that yeah. but um you know uh it actually wasn't bad at all you know i i know josh mauer who's a broadcaster at that time there and jim kane uh we started doing video games uh calling video games um three of us did a podcast the greatest games in Pawsox history we broadcasted those um games they were playing at Pawtucket for the extra players and then uh Dr. Charles Steinberg, as Dr. Charles does, uh, invented Dining on the Diamond, and I became a waiter. Yeah, right. We were there and, for one of those nights, my wife and I. We saw oh, you yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, yeah. But what's great about that, I got to know everybody. You know, I, that's where I really get to know the front office people. So, in uh, working, you know, we were lucky. I mean, at that time, I mean, it's crazy to think, you know, like that was two or three years ago. You Like, I'm we're saying you forget about that time, but you do, you know, a lot of people, things weren't going on. You know, we had to get permission from Rhode Island to do that. Uh, but it kept us employed. Uh, and it, you know, um, that worked out, but I wasn't sure, you know, when I thought I was going to be full time that it didn't work out. Um, so I was kind of in another crossroads again. And, uh, I was bagging groceries and being a cashier at, at uh, Wegmans and, my dad sent me this uh, job at Framingham State. I mean, I was super lucky. I mean, I applied for one one job, and uh, I got it because I needed a full-time job. Yep. And uh, it just worked out where I'm doing games now, just home games, and, and have a full-time job with a much better work-life balance. And, you know, I couldn't be happier. Like, things really, really worked out when, you know, you tons of us were unsure what was going on. Right. And uh, now, of course, you're with the Worcester Red Sox, and uh, you're part of a, a really stellar broadcast team. We had Tyler Murray on last week. So uh, talk about the uh, the move over to Worcester, the experience of working at Polar Park, and uh, you know the, the ability to call games not only on uh, Nesson, but uh, on uh, Worcester Radio on the FM dial. Yeah, well, you know, the, I mean, the great thing about it is um, Jay Burnham, who's part of that, broadcast team he's from massachusetts uh we worked together in the eastern league he was in richmond we became friends um never worked together and then all of a sudden him and i are calling games we're really close i do stuff for him at umass so the, the work with him and, and jim kane has, has become like a, a younger brother to me i love jim um so much we we have such a great relationship tyler's another guy that was in new hampshire him and i were such good friends. I'll, I 
embarrass him. Uh, he did the nicest thing for my birthday one day. I came do tell. In, yeah, do tell. I came in as a visiting broadcaster. It was my birthday. He decorated my booth, you know, with balloons. And he did, <laughs> you know, when you're on the road and it's your birthday, it's um, my dad and I actually share a birthday. So, oh, wow. you know, I, yeah. I never liked being away that day, but um, we became really good friends. He vacationed at Old Orchard where I lived. And so now we're all working together. Um, even when Josh was there, Josh and I go back uh, and he brought me in and so and we have a, an intern named cooper so there's um there's five of us but we all really get along and we're all really good friends uh doing games on tv is incredible i i love it uh that ballpark i say every it's not a it's a major league ballpark the only thing minor league is the seating that we don't have you know thirty thousand seats yeah and every day I'm there, it's it's uh, it feels new. I mean, I always wanted to be part of a a new team like that, and um, to 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 get uh, to be a part of it, it's just uh, you know the the things that we're you know that we're uh, and we have access to the people that have come there. Um, it's it's unbelievable, really. I mean, Larry Lucchino and Dr. Charles are and Janet Marie Smith, the three of them are, they're just, they're incredible architects literally of the park and literally of uh, putting together the staff and, and uh, cultivating game scripts. And it's a special place. It's really, you know, everybody talks about it in, in that area, you know, the Woosocks, the Woosocks. And um, it's, you know, it's nice. It's nice not doing every game. Um, you know, I'm a little older, the grind of it, you know, I, I always feel fresh. It always feels special. And, um, it's it's awesome. And AAA is a great level too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're talking with Mike Antonellis. He is uh, one of the play-by-play voices of the Worcester Red Sox. You're listening to Airing It Out Files from Leahy's broadcast booth, and uh, please feel free to check out our podcast website at Leahy Storytelling. Dot com. Well, Mike, uh, you know, you've done other uh, jobs within the sportscasting industry. I just want to touch on, on that uh, in a moment. But sure. uh, before we do that, uh, we got to talk about uh, calling games at Fenway. Now, you've done some games there. I've done uh, baseball and hockey at Fenway. Uh, what a special experience that is. Maybe you could reflect on uh, how cool that is to call games at Fenway. Yeah, it uh, immediately makes you think of your childhood, you know, your family, my dad, and uh yeah, I mean, first time I was there, it was it was paralyzing. It was it was hard to like really uh, temper down. You know, that's something I had to learn. Uh, even as in many games as you do, like I had never done a game there, being too ramped up. But you know, I always felt, hey, I mean, this is an exciting moment. It's exciting for everybody, and uh, it was great. You know, I mean, that next day was tough going back to the minor league. Stadium, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was awesome. I mean, that first time we were there, there were 34,000 people. Um, yeah. I was lucky that first time I did the uh, sidelines for the Lowell game on yeah. Nesson. Yeah. The first time I had ever been on TV. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, w- I know you, you might lead into this, but, I, I mean, the two most special places I've ever been in my life to, to work is Fenway and Notre Dame. Uh, I can't – it's hard to replicate how special those places are. Yeah, well, well, tell us a little about a little bit about Notre Dame. Uh, what were you doing out there? So, a sideline reporter for UMass, and uh, you know, for people that don't know, UMass plays a pretty insane schedule as an independent. Yeah. And uh, you know, 
if people don't realize this, I mean, the big schools, they, they need what they call cupcakes. And unfortunately, UMass was one of those. Mm-hmm. And we were there, a nationally televised uh, Saturday game. Now, this is, fo- year- this is football, right? Yeah, football. Yeah, so yeah. my first year doing the sideline, uh, I remember Josh saying, hey, you know, we're going to Notre Dame. And I'm like, oh. He's like, yeah, you get you get to go to that too. You're you're part of the the team, everyone. And I that was the first time um yeah, I had been there. And John, I remember just, you know, my role was um I I mean, I love being on the field for that. I I'd rather do that uh for football, be on the on the sidelines. But I remember I would go down about forty five minutes before and I remember just walking down through the stands and I had just my hair, the hairs were, were standing up. Oh yeah. And I was getting really choked up because, you know, in my mind, I was saying, you know, there are so many people you think about the history of that, um, that would give anything to even be there. And the fact that I get to be on the fields, uh, you know, I talk about luck. It was was incredible. It was incredible. I, I mean, that whole experience there in, in Fenway is, it's, um, you know, because you think of that. You think of how many years of tradition and you get to be a part of that, which you, you've experienced too. Yeah, uh, we uh, Notre Dame was in Hockey East for a while, so we went out there a couple of times to do oh, yeah. uh, to do yeah. hockey out there. We met Dave Strader when he was alive, and uh, uh, Notre Dame is off is, is an awfully special place. So yeah, you, yeah. You, you mentioned UMass football, and there's been a few other things. I know you did some hoops and hockey for the University of New England, and uh, you know you mentioned UMass football, Southern Maine Community College. So uh, you know any any jobs you get like that are really are building blocks for your career, aren't they? Yeah, you know, and I think it's just um, the ability to do other things and uh, stay fresh. You know, uh, I had a year, I used to be, you know, in Portland, I was full-time all year round, and then they let me be full-time seasonal. And, uh, you know, to make that work, I had to do a lot of different things, um, you know, to, to for money, which was great, you know. And I, geez, I mean, I... I had five or six different gigs in the off season and I was doing so many games. And then when the season came for baseball, it just was like a continuation. It never felt like it was an off season. Um, I was fresh, you know, and you, you learn different pacing. And um, I liked being around the kids and the college environment's incredible. And, you know, the thing that I, well, I mean, I knew, but you, you, you realize it more when you're there, you know, in, in the minor leagues, it's winning is secondary. You know, it's about, in, in college, it's all about winning. I mean, they play, you know, if you're going to play 40 minutes tonight, they don't care. Yep, um, yep, yep. And it's for the kids, it's great. You know, they have a short window. So, I, you know, I really got into that. And I, I did the UNE stuff for a long time. Uh, and I enjoyed it. You know, it, it's just fun to do different things. And, um, you know, I did a talk show for six years in, in Maine, which I liked. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like to dabble in things that are different. You know, it just um, it's just good for you, I think. Yeah, I I, I did want to touch on that. Uh, from 2011 to 2017, you did you did a talk show called Saturday Morning Jab. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm actually not a big talk show person. Like, I I don't know if I can do that every day because mm-hmm. I I don't I don't know if I have the capacity to talk about the same things. Uh, so this was great. This was four hours once a week. And, you know, when you do a weekend show, you can kind of recap the week, but you can just talk about things, you know, was Ted Williams the greatest hitter? You know, you can do that. 
you know, and I always, uh, yeah, I had done a talk show in college. And, you know, my dad always said, that's like more your calling, you know, because, you, you know, you're really good at that. And I never really thought I had skills doing that. I never thought it was something. And I just naturally, um, I, I, I think I had a successful show there. You know, I got a lot of calls. I, I felt from doing, and you know this, from doing baseball play-by-play, it was, it was fairly easy to fill four hours, even if I didn't get a lot of calls. Because yeah. yeah. That's what you do anyways. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I I really wasn't sure how I was going to feel about it, and um, I really I loved it. I had a lot of great guests, a lot of baseball people that I was able to get on, and you know I met a lot of people through that. Uh, your callers who started coming to games at Hadlock, and uh, it was good for the team. It was you know, but I I like doing that, and you know I wouldn't mind doing that down the road um, again. And, and I've even thought about possibly doing it daily if it ever came up. I I, uh, you know, I think I have a good philosophy on how to do it. And, um, you know, it was, it was fun. And thanks to that station for giving me that chance. Yeah. So Mike, currently, uh, you're working as the associate director for digital enhancement at, uh, Framingham state university. Tell us a little bit about that position. Yeah. So I'm working with, um, our athletic alumni here to, uh, just basically enhance, uh, the, the sports programs at Framingham state. So I have a podcast that I'm doing. Uh, newsletters, and then I'm trying to meet with some alumni, uh, athletic alumni, to yep. uh, just hear their stories and, and see what we can do in the alumni office. So I'm, I'm not in the athletic office; I'm in the alumni office, but with a, a focus on athletics. And then I help with alumni events, uh, any social media, any uh, housekeeping things, office work, and um, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's, uh, it's been fun. I've been out meeting with some of our athletic uh, alumni on, and, you know, for coffee or lunch and just trying to forge a better relationship. And uh, I went to school here, so I think that helps. And, uh, you know, it's a nice balance between that and doing the games at Worcester. Yeah. And uh, about your podcast, uh, tell us a little bit about that. It's called Behind the Mic, correct? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, that was, um, that was an idea from a guy in uh, Portland, Maine, Justin Phillips, who has a, podcast had been really pushing me to do one and i really didn't have any interest doing one um but he pushed and pushed and i finally did it and uh yeah it's uh it's good it's it's nice to be able to kind of good therapy you know to talk about whatever you want and i've had guests on and um yeah it's uh it's great you know I, it, it reaches a lot of people and um you know, I think podcasts are good because people can kind of pick and choose what they want to listen to now. And um, it's kind of a little bit about everything. You know, if you want to hear something about sports or a particular person, you know, what you're doing is great for, you know, for broadcasters. People can listen and get our perspective. You know, I think it's very powerful. Yeah. So how can people uh, pick up your podcast, Mike? It's on all the platforms. So like whatever you, you Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Yeah, uh, just search behind the mic. If you go to my Twitter at the radio mic, I have a a link called Linktree in um, right in my bio. Just click it, and it has all links to all the social media pages that I have. I've even been doing some stuff on Twitch. And and John, believe it or not, um, I've had a kind of a passion, a secret passion for acting, and I've uh, been a background actor for two movies. Wow, Austin Strangler, which. Uh, I should be in, you know, I can't talk a lot about it. You, believe it or not, it's like, it's a huge secrets 
Wow, um, that's that's but, fascinating. Yeah, so if, if things pan out like I hope they do, you might be able to see me in, in the background uh, with a prominent actress, which would be really cool. <laughs> that's awesome. We'll be yeah. definitely looking for that. And, of course, Mike, uh, to tune in to Worcester Games, of course, uh, you got uh, pretty much every game on Ness and Wright and also on the radio. So how can people follow you uh, in the broadcast booth? Yeah, just go to um, at the radio Mike on my Twitter and um, – if you just go to woosacks.com as well, it's got all the information. The games are on Nesson Plus, but when there's no conflict with the Red Sox, they're on, uh, we call the mothership, Nesson, and then streaming as well, uh, MILB TV. And then we're on 98.9, Nash Icon, and Worcester 100 FM, the Pike. You can actually stream those stations. Uh, minor League Baseball allows. Uh, you don't have to go to the first pitch app or go to woosocks.com for the audio. You can actually go to those pages if you want as well. And, um, yeah, get a, get a listen to our broadcast sometime. You never know who's going to be on. You know, we rotate like it's like a pitching staff what we have. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've been fortunate enough to catch some of the action on Nesson, and uh, I look forward to getting over to Polar Park, hopefully uh, before the season ends. Well, Mike, I want to thank you so much for being with us. Uh, it's always great talking to you. You've got a fascinating background, and you, uh, you, I really enjoy uh, tuning into your broadcast. I think you're one of the best out there. Keep up the great work, and, and I look forward to speaking with you down the road. Yeah, same here, John. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. You've been listening to Mike Antonellis, the play-by-play voice of the Worcester Red Sox on this edition of the podcast. Stay with us next week. Longtime friend, broadcaster, and musician Dan Parkhurst will be stopping by to check uh, in here on the podcast. So we uh, thank Mike Antonellis, our special guest, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Mitochondrial disease is a rare multi-symptom disease characterized by breakdowns in the mitochondria, which are specialized compartments that are present in every cell of the body except red blood cells and are responsible for creating more than 90% of the energy needed by the body to sustain life and support growth. A disease most commonly associated with children, currently there is no cure, just management of symptoms. Hugs for Mito Inc. is mitochondrial disease, Rare disease advocacy, awareness, fundraising for research trials, and hopefully a cure. To learn more, please visit hugsformito.org.